from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. We're joined this week by Will Garrett, the co-founder of BuildSec Foundry, the first pure cybersecurity incubator. Will has a long history uh, in cyber and uh, internet security, and we'll let Will uh, introduce yourself and share a little bit of your background with the audience. Thanks, Brett. Great to be here. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I serve as co-founder of a new product-based security incubator located at Geekdom here in San Antonio that's really focused on supporting security startups out of our veteran community and the greater ecosystem that exists here in San Antonio. Really, my engagement with the industry goes back about a decade now, largely on the economic development side of the industry and realizing back in the 07 time frame when San Antonio was selected as the home for the Air Force Cyber Command, which is 24th Air Force. It was really the first move by a service to stand up a dedicated mission focused on cyber and, interesting enough, choosing to stand up outside of the greater D.C. area. And so it was at that time, although there's a, a long history that goes backwards from that, it was really around that time that our community realized the assets, the ecosystem, both the military and the commercial side of the industry, the academic sector, that we had something special as an industry we needed to both better understand and better focus resources and efforts on to grow. And at that time, it was a relatively new industry, at least in the, in the public's mind, now we're seeing it day-to-day, hearing it on the radio, in the paper, on the news. But San Antonio really has an opportunity to, to grow as an ecosystem nationally and affect the more global security market. So that's really been the, the, the role I've played over the last 10 years, is that supporting the companies that exist here, helping to effectively kind of force collaboration, connect the dots in this ecosystem to raise the visibility and kind of national awareness of San Antonio's security ecosystem. That's some exciting stuff. So you said that the the Air Force stood up the first kind of dedicated mission on the cyber in 2007. So really, uh, I mean, as most folks uh, rewind back on the Internet, uh, we had this first tech bubble from 1994, 95 up through 2000. And so the, the military, I guess, at that point was not doing anything on the cyber side yet or not in an organized way. So it's a, it's a great question. And back in 07, when the initial announcement was made that the Air Force was going to stand up what they internally refer to as a numbered Air Force focused on cyber here in San Antonio, that was probably from a San Antonio and public community sector kind of awareness level. The first time they realized the Air Force had missions of that nature or were focusing missions in that nature. But the truth is you could go back to the late 1940s which was the initial presence the Air Force put here in San Antonio. It was actually United States Air Force Security Service. Those listening may recognize that name because it was members of the Air Force that actually, the story goes, put some dollars on the table and formed what is now Security Service Federal Credit Union, one of the larger credit unions in the United States. And so we actually in San Antonio have a long history of information security and then what's called ISR, Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance, and those were the initial foundations of, for the Air Force of what morphed into a desire to create a command focused fully on cyber. And that's a, it was a new, new thing for the Air Force, and it's still something the Air Force is working through today. 
a, a military service that very much understood fly, fight, and win and their core mission, but understanding that cyber kind of cross-cuts everything they do from an operational perspective, really needing to stand up a unit and a mission focused on how do you support the warfighter, but in the cyber domain, just as the you know Air Combat Command would support it in terms of the actual hardware they're taking into the sky. Yeah. We had on uh, Chris Garretts, who I think worked in that cyber command for a while, and we, we talked about some of the things that the, the military's doing there with their cyber attacks and the, the weapons they build now, their weapons are digital code weapons versus a, a physical weapon. And um, it seems like it's a whole new frontier, a new area and landscape for uh, the military to really uh, understand uh, how this digital war is going to be held. Oh, absolutely. And you look at traditional, we'll jump from the Air Force over to the Navy as another military branch of service, how they simulate and model and war game the traditional wars you might have seen the Navy engage in. And where am I going to send my destroyers? And how am I going to move my fleets to combat the enemy and be a step ahead? I play so, that. I played it at Christmas with my kids. It's called Battleship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe a little more complicated, though. But the same premise. But now you have to think about that and step back from an Air Force standpoint. How are you doing that but from a security posturing standpoint? And what might the enemy to do to affect whether it's electric or grids or communications to the warfighter on the ground or communications to warfighters in the air? How do you think one step ahead an enemy that, I mean, thank goodness for our nation, we have a tremendous military and intelligence community and bright people like Chris that have served and are serving in those roles. But you're looking at sophisticated nation-state attackers that are very well-resourced, very well-organized, with the you know whether it's disruption or something worse, that are putting a 24/7 effort into attack the United States. So it's not an easy job the Air Force and our military have to solve and to think ahead of on. So we with this strong military presence, and I think we've seen this uh, in San Antonio outside of cyber. People come here, they get stationed here, they fall in love with San Antonio, and they they stay, um, and they open up some businesses. We have um, a number of veterans that I, I know in working in cybersecurity, such as Chris or uh, John Dixon who, with the Denim Group. There's a number of companies here now around town that are founded by military folks, even in cyber, that have stayed here to start building a commercial sector ecosystem. Uh, absolutely. And I think if you go back over time, it's really the location of these ISR units within the Air Force. Um, we have not even talked about NSA, but the NSA growing presence here has really resulted in this transition of veterans, military talent that have felt at home in San Antonio and have started companies. And really, if you go back to about the mid-90s, you saw this flow of talent from the Air Force. And at the time, it could be argued that the Air Force was far in front of the private sector in terms of their knowledge of security and intel and artificial intelligence. And you saw companies like the Wheel Group, yeah. founded by six um, ex-Air Force members. is a great story of San Antonio. In 94, sold out to Cisco for $124 million. Yeah, became the PIX firewall, which mm -hmm. became the ASA firewall. So if any of you have any of those devices inside of your business, they started here in San Antonio. Absolutely. And so you've had these good stories like that. And, of course, those type of companies, those founders went on to form other companies, some that are still in existence here and operating out of San Antonio. So over the years, you've definitely seen an industry grow 
And really, if you look at the DNA of any of our security firms that are headquartered here, there's probably a military founder or co-founder or senior leader on the team. And it's just part of what makes San Antonio an attractive location and why some of these businesses stay here, even though their client base is largely the rest of the U.S. are global and and not dependent on the San Antonio market. Yeah. And their clients are often also not necessarily just selling back into the government. I think there's a good amount of of national companies I've seen here or in multinational companies that have divisions here in San Antonio that sell to the military. It seems we have fewer San Antonio founded companies, at least that in the circles that I run in, uh, that are selling back to the military. Absolutely. I'd say the bulk of our industry that's founded here, headquartered here, is really selling away from the federal side of the um, industry, selling into the commercial sectors, taking maybe some of the skills and talents they learn from within the DOD or federal service and take them out where it is more of the big global firms that have large operations here that are servicing. But we do have some bright stories of, you know, more recent over the last five years, locally founded firms that are really banking on the Air Force and NSA missions and have been able to see tremendous growth because of the community atmosphere, the kind of network driven relationships in San Antonio, and they've been able to tap into talent as it comes out of the Air Force or NSA. So we have some success stories here, but you're absolutely correct. Most of our firms are dealing globally with commercials and the customers on the commercial side and less so with the federal government. So we've got this military talent pipeline in San Antonio for cyber and internet security. Uh, what's going on at the universities here around town? So this is is one where we have um, seven, maybe it's eight four-year universities in town now. Um, a, ha- a handful of them have computer science, computer engineering programs. Um, what do we have going on in the cyberspace? So we have a pretty impressive group of local universities from the two-year degree programs really on up to PhD that that have curriculum or focus areas within whether it's cybersecurity specifically or computer science, more of the traditional um, maybe information security tech degree programs. UTSA, interestingly enough, was one of the first universities in the nation to really focus on cyber, cybersecurity as a degree program. They ran some exercises for communities, kind of cyber threat exercises in the early 2000s. And it's why, as a university, they started earlier than most, why they continually get ranked as one of the top universities in the nation to go get a cybersecurity degree program. But the interesting thing we've seen is, through our ecosystem of private and public colleges and universities, somewhat of a sense of collaboration. I mean, it's tough at the university level because everybody's you know jockeying for the top professors and talent and students. But you see the two-year universities, specifically in the Alamo Colleges, which is a massive, we support a massive number of San Antonio um, two-year degree pursuers that have started to align more effectively their curriculums to UTSA or Texas A&M San Antonio or some of the private universities. And then in the cyberspace specifically, there's actually a informal organization, the Cyber Innovation and Research Consortium, and it consists of all the local universities that have degree programs in, in those areas. And their goal is to really raise awareness of what specific programs are happening, and really to avoid some duplication. Because I think you and I may agree, may agree, might not need every university just to have a general BA or associates in cybersecurity. It may be smart to think like St. Mary's has and really focus on the law side of that with their Center for Terrorism Law, or Our Lady of the Lake focusing more on the managerial side of cybersecurity. And you see, you have a lot of people working together a little bit more cohesively than most. Um, 
And on top of that, you have five schools that have achieved what is a very difficult designation by the Department of Homeland Security and the National Security Agency as a center of academic excellence, whether it's in information assurance or cyber defense, cyber operations. And so that's as many as any other city in the nation. So a lot of these programs are looking to achieve certain certifications that really set them apart for talent in the future. That sounds like a, a pretty great um, educational pool. So where does this put us from a, a perspective of employers? Are they able to fill all of their cybersecurity roles still in San Antonio? Are we producing and exporting talent or is there still a job shortage or I mean a, a talent shortage for those jobs out there? I'd say yes to both. I think we are producing and exporting some talent and there's definitely still a job shortage. It's not unique to San Antonio, but I do believe there's still still a gap and and I don't pretend to be a you know a CEO like yourself, Brett, and hiring people to fill those type of positions, but really in working with the industry for around a decade, there is still a gap of what can be produced out of a two-year or four-year degree program and the skills those graduates may have that allow them to fill a network security analyst one type position. So there's still a lot of work to be done on the industry side of the coin to figure out how to understand um, the security sector's needs, how to produce a product that that sector wants to hire. And sometimes I think it's also getting away from the security-specific degree programs to an extent. Training someone that really knows how to code, really knows how to program, is a, is a very bright computer science type major. That person could go work at a pure tech company, tech company startup, or a security company and work their way up and kind of figure out where they want to play. So there's still a lot of alignment that needs to happen to better be able to fill our industry jobs. And some of it comes from the nature of our industry. If you take the federal um, serving companies out of the equation, more the commercial shops, they're smaller, maybe 50 people to 150, 200 people. So they just have less entry-level positions. And so as a community, there's still work needs to be done to figure out what is that career pipeline for someone coming out of high school, going to college here, and how do we make sure we retain that top-level talent as well and don't lose them. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the one of coming out of the, the universities, my favorite analogy on this one is the architect versus the carpenter is that you can go to school, you can get a bachelor's of science in architecture and you can know how to build a house. You can actually have no ability to be able to go build that house yourself. You can draw everything you can understand, but you don't have that practical hands on where you may have a carpenter that has never gone through the formal mathematics of being an architect, but they know like how long a beam can be that you have if you want to open up a ceiling or take a wall out or all those things. They just know it from doing it over the years. They may not know the math and all the details behind it, but they know what works and what doesn't work. And you see uh, you know, many companies out there trying to hire the people that um, can get the job done today and maybe not necessarily the folks that understand the theory. It's, yeah, how do we get that that halfway um, or that that practical experience for the folks is uh, maybe more internship programs, some more hands-on uh, rotations through things, and I think that there's yeah I guess also some additional uh, education going on around San Antonio with actual hands-on software development programs. Now there's a, a program about getting your your CISSP, which goes into some of the security theory aspect piece, but. Um, I think the way they're running that program, it's also going to potentially get folks to the certified ethical hacker, um, which gets you a little bit more hands-on in that training and security-specific piece. 
you, you nailed it. I mean, it's a catch-22 for a lot of our firms. How do you give people that true experiential learning opportunity where they're not just interning and making copies, but also how do you balance that with putting someone on a live client network where a couple of wrong clicks on the keyboard could create significant problems, both from a revenue and, and you know brand equity standpoint. And so it continues to be a, a challenge of how do you develop those pipelines and those programs to give people that hands-on experience. And that is also why San Antonio, especially on the federal side, but it, you know it's bleeding over on the commercially focused businesses, is seen as a valuable location for operations. And it's because of that military talent that comes out, the Chris Garrett's of the world, that you know whether they've had any formal training and university education, they've been working in the AFSR, they've been working in the 33rd Network Warfare Wing. And you understand they, they get both the responsibility and the kind of how-to, the carpenter side of it. And so some of that talent base is why a lot of companies are starting to look at San Antonio. And because when you look at San Antonio versus some of the other regions that are exploding around the company in this space and in the tech industry in general, both the availability of that talent and the price point of that talent is is still significantly lower here than other regions. It doesn't mean from a critical mass standpoint, we still have what we need, but there are certain factors that are that are fortunate for our community are causing companies to take a look at San Antonio versus some more traditional regions or hubs, even if you look 70 miles up the road to Austin. Yeah, no, I, I think we keep reading right now about how this uh, Austin-San Antonio metro is the, the next great metro in America, um, kind of coming together, that 75-mile corridor over the next 20 years uh, into one metro that maybe is the number one metro in the state of Texas at that point. We'll, uh, we'll see how Dallas and Houston continue to evolve. But uh, I think Texas overall is doing pretty well as a state. Uh, so going through the, this history of San Antonio, so what uh, you've mentioned collaboration in the community a few times. Uh, so you've also worked uh, with the Chamber of Commerce here. We have a, a cyber IT thing going on with one of our chambers. Can you talk through that a little bit and how that's helped um, some of this community forming as well? Sure, and um, actually out of the San Antonio Chamber, about 10 years ago, around the time that the Air Force stood up, uh, 24th Air Force here, really what was an IT committee at that time transitioned into a cybersecurity committee within the chamber, and what's now referred to as a cybersecurity industry council was really the driving force behind the creation of this public-private partnership a year ago, where the city, the county, the chamber, and the industry itself help fund a standalone program that's really designed to how, how do we as a community better leverage the strength of the industry, the knowledge, the networks, the business intelligence to focus efforts, resources, uh, branding campaigns, recruitment of companies. How do we kind of raise the tide uh, here in San Antonio for our ecosystem? And that was really driven by the industry. It started um, almost five years ago now, honestly. You know yourself as a CEO of a you know growing company here in San Antonio. Time is your most valuable asset. And so we worked very hard to bring CEOs of locally headquartered founded companies to this industry council. And when they you know figuratively got around the table, the common theme was we get that we're strong in defense. We understand UTSA and there's other pockets within our education ecosystem that are, are performing very well. But from a pure commercial side and overall ecosystem, as an industry, do we really stack up? And that resulted, and it was actually back during uh, Mayor Julian Castro's term, we went to him, Bear County Judge Nelson Wolf, 
In fact, John Dixon with Denim Group um, was and currently still is the chairman of the Industry Council. Went to them with the proposal to help us kind of put up some public sector dollars that we'd match with the private sector to go do a national economic study that really looked at San Antonio versus other regions that were performing well or claiming to perform well, building clusters in this area. And really the results of that study was, in you know a short sentence, San Antonio is sitting on a gold mine, but you really have no focus around how to tap into it. And so that really set us down a path, industry-driven, to figure out how do we create a program, how do we mobilize the industry, how do we make sure, first and foremost, there's never policies or programs at the city or county level that are negatively impacting industry growth, how do we incentivize companies to be here, to stay here, to grow here. And that was the real impetus, and it's, it's aligned with what now the San Antonio Economic Development Foundation is really focused on. And I'd argue that the security sector was the first industry to come to the table and say, we want to help you drive these efforts. We may not get how the sausage is made throughout the process, but if you looked at a company recruitment um, conversation as five steps, the industry can get you to step two, and then we're going to hand it off to the professionals that do it day to day. And so it was exciting to see an industry really come to the table, go to the city and county, and put up their own resources and dollars as well to say, let's look at it and understand who we are, who we're not, realistically and how we can put a focus on kind of a growth strategy for the next 5 to 10 to 20 years. So it sounds like if I was a the CEO or an investor in a burgeoning tech product company thinking about security, I could headquarter my company here in San Antonio. I have some industry-trained folks. There's a pool of talent there to recruit from if I have an exciting product idea. There's university uh, kids that are graduating with computer science, with maybe cybersecurity directly. There's entry-level talent coming out of two-year programs or um, tech certification schools. Uh, so are there drawbacks? Like, why wouldn't I want to be in San Antonio? It sounds like there's all of the ingredients here that I, we don't see companies relocating their headquarters and moving here on a, a regular basis yet. We've still got a lot of work to do. You're absolutely right. I think we, you, what you just outlined are pieces to what is a very good story that we as a community just have not effectively told yet. Um, some of the larger, when you talk about front page newspaper headquarter movements, is even further in the future. And some of that has to do with just our existing industrial base and the companies that are headquartered here, especially the large you know, Fortune 5s that are headquartered here. You mentioned Texas. As great as San Antonio is, and as much as I personally believe in where we are today and the, the future we're moving towards, you still have Austin, you still have Houston, you still have Dallas, that often present the same economic benefit as Texas, but also present a larger customer buyer base, especially from a security standpoint. And so some of that is a longer term play of education, awareness, but there, I think there's some, I would say the, the winds are blowing in some level in our favor. And because of some of the macro trends within the DOD, some of the macro cost environment factors, where you have these you know, regions over the past 15 years that have exploded, the Austins, the Portlands, the Seattles, the Denvers, Boulders, and that's where the young talent has moved to. That is where professionals wanted to start. Even it meant moving somewhere to work at a Starbucks just because you wanted to be in that community. I think some of those trends are going to force businesses to look at the cost environment and that's where San Antonio, as we raise that brand awareness about the ecosystem, I think it's just having that message to the right decision maker at the right time in the process 
where someone brings up San Antonio, we're we're pretty confident if you just take a look at us, we're we're a good pitch for operational expansion. But I think over the last decade, we just haven't been in the conversation at a national level when companies are looking to move or expand in this space. So, yeah, I mean, and we've I know there's a handful of folks that have added um, sizable offices here, Route Nine B, in the last uh, couple of years, uh, and you have the the big. Um, government, um, federal folks, the Boos and Accenture, and many of, of them have been expanding their presences significantly here in San Antonio uh, in the, the cyberspace. But the, the, the one I think that really cracks the, the system open and changes things is what Will's working on with BuildSec Foundry. It's product-based uh, security companies headquartered here where you're creating equity value in San Antonio. Uh, and you're selling that product worldwide with the, the funds flowing back to the ownership group and to the founders in this city. Um, the second half of the hour, we are going to dive into cybersecurity ecosystems and other topics. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, thank you for staying with us after the update. If you're newly joining, I'm Brett Pyatt, your host and a 20-year internet security veteran. We're here with Will Garrett uh, from BuildSec Foundry, and we're going to talk about the future of the San Antonio cyber security ecosystem. So Will spent a, a decade uh, involved in economic development and other roles really helping get San Antonio to where it's at here in 2016. So now we'll imagine it's 2036. Hopefully the world's not ended uh, by that point in time. We've uh, not hacked ourselves into oblivion. Uh, so where can a city like San Antonio go over a 20-year evolution? I'll take it in you know, a couple of answers there. I think at the highest of level, our opportunity from a community is, if you were in 2036 looking back, to say that community had the foresight 20 years ago to figure out how to think differently about how the private sector interacts with the public sector, the academic environment, the military. And they thought about it so differently that you started to see this innovation come out of San Antonio that just was not coming out of other areas. And you became this leader, really a leader in between Silicon Valley and Washington, D.C., that became a new community for innovation, for talent, uh, for companies. You had brands here in San Antonio 20 years from now that globally were known for what they were doing, for, were first movers, were thinking about problems and producing different types of solutions. And so at the highest level, it would be a community that set forth a strategy as aggressive as it may have looked at the time that really put San Antonio map globally as the security center of excellence. And then I think more at the granular level, one of the strong suits we've had over the last decade has been a focus on long-term education, pipeline, talent development. And so maybe in 20 years, it's expanded past the state of Texas and really nationally, whether it's curriculum development, engagement of elementary, middle, high school students, really defining that career path and what is cybersecurity, how do we better engage companies with the academic sector to ultimately produce a product those companies want to hire. And so I think more tactically, you'd see over 20 years that programs that were started 10 years ago now have really been scaled, especially to the state of Texas, but also nationally as models of how to 
train workers and students and industry professionals to do the jobs that are needed, frankly, 20 years from today. Yeah, so we have a, a new uh, public and private partnership uh, around a CAST high school um, here starting now in 2016. I guess 2017 is going to be their first class. Can you share a little bit about that? Um, I mean, an, an announcement myself personally am, am very excited about, and I, I, I don't think I would speak differently than those that are that were deeply involved in that announcement, the creation of CAST and the CAST Tech High School downtown but I would say a very aggressive program, a program that as much leans on those outside of the school as those inside the school, a program that wants students to be outside of the classroom as much as inside the classroom. And so I think on the face of it, that is, that is amazing. It's something we need, especially with the Cass Tech High School downtown really focused in the tech area. But I think it's also going to be a tremendous, it's going to present a tremendous need for the business community and the private sector to step up and support this type of learning experience. Although not necessarily in the security sector, but if you go back a decade, in fact, um, the Alamo Colleges launched what's called the Alamo Academies. And at that time, it was really to service a need the aerospace industry had. In that industry, it was a little bit easier to determine what type of certification you needed and how that certification would directly relate to a job at a Lockheed or Boeing here. And it was truly the industry, the big industry players that said, we will guarantee those paid internships and we'll, we will be the pipeline for students that take a half day in the classroom and a half day with hands-on learning. And it resulted in a direct pipeline program that nationally we accept visits on behalf of other school districts and training providers that want to understand how we made it work. But the real secret sauce in addition to some very committed individuals with those programs, was that the industry actively engaged both financially, with mentorship, with people figuring out the, the hard things at times to bring a 14, 15, 16-year-old into your environment. And so Castech, it is super exciting, and I think it's really going to challenge the business community in San Antonio to step up in this fashion. Yeah. So before the break, and uh, if you missed that, you can listen to our replay and rebroadcast on iTunes uh, or through www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, well, we had mentioned the, the wheel group. So 20 years ago, San Antonio had um, a really big cybersecurity, uh, internet computer security tech exit. A company from here uh, grew up, got acquired by Cisco out there in Silicon Valley. Um, we haven't had a, another one of that size, I think, in the, is it almost been 20 years now? Uh, so over the, the course of the next 20 years, do, do we have more of those wheel group size um, company sales? Do we grow a publicly traded cybersecurity companies headquartered out of this city? I'd say that's absolutely the goal. Um... He'll go unnamed, but someone once drew an analogy in a presentation that I was in to uh, Rackspace, uh, obviously locally founded, significant part of our ecosystem. And the analogy was that if Rackspace had been founded in Dallas or Atlanta or Boston, it would be next to impossible for San Antonio to relocate that headquarters, to come up with a viable pitch. But because it had organically been founded here, grown here, and many of its founders are, are vastly invested in this ecosystem and community. That is why it's still here. And so you could draw the same line to the security space while actively we're continually engaged with companies that have some presence or no presence here to talk about the San Antonio story, pitch them on why San Antonio for their future growth, 
at the end of the day, it's going to be that organic growth that I think 20 years from now is going to position San Antonio and have the company base that is globally recognized. And so some of our efforts are very focused in that specific area on how do you put together the structure, the resources, kind of the access that San Antonio can provide to see more of that organic growth. And frankly, let's find the next wheel group and not make it another 20 years from for the one after that. Yeah, because you look at some of the, and I read a, a good amount of just general economic uh, growth and development uh, statistics, it looks like the San Antonio metro area over the next 20 years um, has the potential to double in size of, of people again. As we, we look at the economy here today, there's a very large uh, travel, entertainment, tourism industry. Uh, you have a, a large uh, medical here, both public and private sector. Uh, we have a growing cybersecurity, public and private sector, but compared to that healthcare, compared to travel and tourism, compared to oil and gas, um, cybersecurity is a, a small economic driver next to those three right now across our greater metro. How does that mix look over the in 2036? Well, it's, and so it's a, it's a great question. I mean, if you look at how the community today, or maybe you know, the last 20 years has viewed economic activity, economic growth, economic development, a lot of it was captured in headcount growth. And the city, the county are able to articulate whether it's incentives or resources or support for something like a Toyota manufacturing facility. It's easy to articulate capital investment, headcount growth, employee growth, and the chart kind of ROI in that. In this sector, it's naturally going to be very different. Although in 20 years, I'd fully anticipate San Antonio has some big fish, some whales in the security market, whether it's from reloads or probably more likely a balance of companies that have moved here and companies that have grown up here. But currently, the ecosystem is not going to be a 3,000 job announcement or a 3,000 person company moving here. It's going to be smaller companies, and it's really a changing dynamic for how our elected officials and policymakers set programs. I mean, take Jungle Disc, for example. Would you rather grow by 10 people or grow your revenue 20%? And a lot of the companies we're working with and supporting are focused on revenue growth and profits. If that relates and, and causes a need for employees, that is great, but that's not the core function. It's not a, a people growth business. It's looking at the revenue side of it. So it's really learning how to support a new type of business in San Antonio, but I think if you looked at the progress over the last 18 to 24 months of really our policy setting areas, it has been tremendously aggressive in terms of doing things differently, incentivizing companies, supporting them in different ways that I think if you drew that out over the next 20 years, you'll see a community that is really has really been built on for the last you know 100 years, a community that works together, a community that will come together and will put competitors in a room all working to the common goal. I think that's really what's differentiated San Antonio, maybe from other some of the other Texas cities. And I think it's that spirit, along with the realization that we have certain expertise in, in emerging sectors, security being one of them, that's going to help us put in place strategies that over the next 20 years make us a very viable location to start and scale a business. Yeah, so in, instead of seeing a five or 10,000 employee company you're saying that for the, the city to really succeed maybe over the next 20 years, it's 50 companies with 100 employees each and focusing on the total revenue impact 
that those 50, 100 employee companies might have 10 times the revenue of that one bigger 5,000 employee um, option uh, company style or type if it's a call center company or those other things where if you've got these smaller product companies that are driving really a lot of business and innovation and creating a lot of wealth uh, for the community and for the that all feeds through and into the ecosystem. Absolutely. And I think at least in the next, over the next, you know, five to seven years, that that has to be our focus. And I think building the strength of that part of the ecosystem makes us a more viable play for that 5,000 person company. And maybe one of those companies we're supporting becomes that 5,000 person company. But I definitely think it's a changing focus. It's, you know, some of what we're doing at BuildSec Foundry is focusing really on growing that organic startup. And some of that is just putting the support structure in San Antonio in a way that it hasn't hasn't been, um, especially for the veteran population. But I think the assets and people are here that that can effectively mentor those founders that are coming out with a new product or even a new services company and make sure that when they get to that stage where they need the investment or they're ready to scale, that they don't look elsewhere outside of San Antonio either. Yeah, so I, I hear stats now here in 2016. We have, depends on who you talk to, we have 40 cybersecurity companies here. We have 60. We have 110. Uh, you have a, a number that, that's, that you happen to like out of that group. And then as we look forward, um, that number going to grow? And, and where where is a reasonable level if you look at some of the more established um, cyber markets Washington, D.C., I guess, how many companies are there as a kind of a comparison? Uh, So, I mean, the numbers I frequently use, and I think the reason we hear different numbers is largely because of the federal space. Um, You you mentioned earlier a company like Abuz Allen Hamilton. Well, they're definitely not a cybersecurity company, but a large part of their operation here in San Antonio is a cyber operation. And so if you counted those that weren't headquartered here, but for the bulk of their operations here doing cyber work, and then those that are headquartered, give or take 100-plus companies, of about which 40 are headquartered here in San Antonio that, if given a survey, you know, figuratively might self-identify as a security company. Um, and so in terms of you know 20 years industrial base and then how we stack up to the D.C. area, it'll really be interesting to see. I mean, I think the number of locally headquartered companies we've seen three to six just over the last 18 months start here, get their start here and are continuing operations. Uh, Port San Antonio, a good example, because of their proximity and the location of 24th, has seen four companies just this past year open operations in the sector. Um, Some that are servicing into the military, but some, frankly, that are commercially facing but are opening their operations down there largely because of a recruiting play for the talent coming uh, out of the 24th and 25th Air Force. And so what does that number look like in you know, 20 years? Uh, it'd be nice to say it's, it's triple that in terms of a total industry base, but I'd, I'd hedge that if, if it were triple, I'd want a heavier weight of that being the locally headquartered side. Um, then right now it's a little shifted and, and more of the presence is non-locally headquartered firms, but with significant outfits, outfits here and, and a good size economic impact. We're definitely as industry nowhere near kind of those traditional drivers within San Antonio. But I see long-term, definitely, collaboration between the security sector, you know, whether it's companies like yours, Brett, and Jungle Disk that are looking to small, medium-sized businesses to provide those type of solutions that can support their operational environment, or it's collaborations between security firms and sectors like healthcare, 
that has long been a driver of San Antonio, depending on the you know study, the largest employer in San Antonio. But if you looked at the healthcare industry here, you have this unique sector that has the Veterans Affairs System, the DOD, San Antonio Military Health System. You have public sector hospitals like University Health. You have private sector institutions, nonprofits, for-profits. And a lot of time, because of our proximity to the, the Texas Valley, San Antonio is the input for trauma care. And you may have a military veteran that gets transferred to Crista Santa Rosa and then, or transferred to UHS. And then ultimately they need to be back at the VA or over at BAMC at Fort Sam Houston. And so you're talking about a bunch of different networks that need to share that patient data. All of those networks were not designed to ever share data outside the network. And you have doctors and nurses and trauma surgeons. All they want is that data on the iPad in front of them so they can service the patient. And so I think it's opportunities like that where the security sector can actually innovate and do things here because of the nature of some of our larger ecosystems. I think 20 years from now as well, we'll see some collaboration that resulted from the security sector and some of the more traditional ecosystems, energy and healthcare here, that are also kind of first movers for more global trends of how security impacts industries in different ways. So if we have some local security listeners, and now they're hearing about where this city could be in 20 years, and they've got some of these skills, and they go, man, I want to be part of making this stuff actually happen. So maybe I'm in the 24th, and I'm, I'm off right now, and I happen to be listening to the radio at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, or I'm a college student at UTSA, and, and I just finished up at the computer lab, and I'm walking back, and I'm listening on iHeartRadio on my cell phone as I head back to my residence. How do I get involved? What, what things will, will help me become part of this uh, next 20 years here in San Antonio? Well, I'd say from a pure connecting the dots, talent, you know, the demand and supply, the talent to the companies that are hiring, the initiatives that are going on, it's it's still a work in progress. Um, we're not there yet to a level of effectiveness. Um, too often I hear about someone that has the requisite skills to you know, take a job at a digital defense or a jungle disk or a future X, and yet they didn't know about those companies and hadn't connected or had sent in resumes that never received responses. So we still need to to do a better job on how do you present the ecosystem in a way where those looking to hire can really, you know, tap into the talent that's looking for those jobs. And so there, there's absolutely more work to do. And then some of it is the creation of this cybersecurity San Antonio kind of public private entity is really has served as the filter. We want to help a UTSA student that wants to go work at Jungle Disk just as much as we want to help them if they want to join BuildSex Foundry and take advantage of our network and start a company. And so I think we have a good grasp on the ecosystem and the opportunities, but we've got to package it in a more effective way. And some of that comes down to resources, um, and it's the opportunity and challenge San Antonio has. We're in a state, we're in a large state, we're in a state with, you know, four of the fastest growing metros in the U.S. And so if you looked at an area like Maryland, uh, whose voter base is a lot of times the cyber and intel community, from a state level, it is much easier at the elected official position to focus resources and support of those missions and companies. San Antonio, as you just mentioned, security is one of many sectors that have done well, and it's you know still a relatively small sector in the bigger scheme of economic drivers in San Antonio. And then within the state of Texas, that even gets magnified more. So we have to be very judicious at the local level of how do we put resources to better 
promote our companies and our opportunities and you know I hate the term one-stop shop how do you create input points so that type of talent can figure out how to connect with the right people and I think it helps our brand nationally too as we kind of set up online presence and different organizations that can really serve as that input for talent and how do you connect them up with the employer side. Yeah, I think Geekdom does a a good job of some of that, helping smaller companies uh, find folks by having a Geekdom job board. Uh, Port San Antonio seems to be doing a pretty uh, good job at that as well of trying to help their companies with a centralized uh, job board hiring uh, and some of that talent pipelining it. are there activities right now planned to uh, or that go on that I may not have heard about? To if I'm in the military looking to meet up with some folks in the private sector, I'm getting ready to to finish up my commitment there, and I've got an idea to start a company. Uh, where where should I go hang out? Who should I try to meet to to make that happen? Oh, well, absolutely, and I'll I'll get very quickly to BuildSec Foundry, which is the security incubator you mentioned, but I have to give a shout out to um, a meetup, the CyberDef Dojo. Great group of guys actually run by um, Omar Quimbaya, who's with a local security firm, DefLogix. And it's really creating kind of that, call it a counterculture, hacker culture on the more of the white hat side of the equation. But here in San Antonio, where they get together, they learn, they hack, they pitch. It's it's meetups like that and organizations like that that are really giving an initial kind of very informal, no strings attached point, especially for that military population to plug into. And I think it helps with what is the natural cultural change of active duty, you know, some four years, eight years, especially if you've been in 20 years, it is a big change to come out of the military and especially plop into an environment like geekdom and oftentimes run on soda and chips and all hours. It is it, there's, a, there's a change there, especially if you're going to become an entrepreneur. And so it's organizations like the CyberDef Dojo that are providing a great network for those military members. And then to get to specifically on the entrepreneur side of the uh, industry here, back in June we launched what is the BuildSec Foundry. It's here at Geekdom as well. And it's an incubator very focused on the product side of the ecosystem. And I'd have to take you back three years ago we had several CEOs, um, multiple-time entrepreneurs, founders here that were running security companies that realized there was a gap. And the gap was that we saw a relatively younger military member transition out that wasn't always looking for a 9-to-5 job that had, you know, back to our comments about Wheel Group in the mid-90s, you had these military members like Chris Garrett's with InfoSight that had developed a technology, a tool, a process within the Air Force that they just didn't see on the outside impacting the commercial sector. And yet oftentimes these entrepreneurs would, you know, come to a geekdom, would join, would go on the tour. A lot of people were excited, but sometimes the cultural gap and the existence of a mentor network or the lack thereof would cause them to, you know, kind of vanish after a month or two. And so a couple of years ago, we put together a boot camp that we ran on Saturdays for military members. It was really designed to both support veterans, but really catch those military members about six months out of transition. Um, We are actively, you know, we consistently promoted that we're not trying to pull people out. We need active duty servicemen and women, guardsmen and reservists. But if they had made that decision, we wanted to provide them a mentor network of people that had served, that had started companies, that had served in investor roles, that really wanted to walk them through the process of thinking about that idea and turning it into a company. And in fact, Chris Garrett's um, and what would become InfoSight 
was that our very first boot camp and was you know a great success story of taking a team that had a fantastic idea for malware hunting and we're using the term hunting before the commercial sector ever heard of it and how do we t- help them and support a company creation and go-to-market strategy and so fast forward to this past summer um, with a generous grant from the 8020 foundation we launched an incubator here it's really trying to tap into those companies that have that you know minimum viable product have that mvp are really not a company yet, don't have a strategy of taking that product to market, getting some early customers, some early funding. And we built built a substantial network here in San Antonio, both big enterprise companies, investors, um, previous founders, that are all bought in on the concept that if we can really leverage that ecosystem, we think there's especially talent out of the military population where we can see some really neat companies created in the future. So this is uh, an exciting future for us. Um depending on how things go in the outside the cybersecurity world, I think will fuel the growth of the cybersecurity world. Um, I, I think that uh, as we continue to see uh, more, we did a, a program on the Internet of Things, and as you start to have more of these computer-controlled devices, um, security is going to spread across everything inside of our lives. It, it only makes up somewhere in the 3 to 10% of an IT budget, but as more of the, the global uh, population uh, um, global spending goes towards technology, that security market's going to grow uh, quite a bit, and it sounds like there's a big opportunity for San Antonio. So I'd like to uh, thank you for joining us this week, Will. Uh, if you want to learn more about these things, you can find BuildSec Foundry through Google. You can uh, come down and hang out at the CyberDef Dojo. Um, Geekdom is always accepting members, and you can hang out there every day of the week to potentially meet your co-founder and get something started yourself. Uh, thank you for joining us on Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, and uh, have yourself a great evening. <laughs>